0: Uh, you really mustn't, darling, I-
1: What's up, everybody? Thanks for listening to episode 16 of the first season of Can I Comment? I'm Michael. And I do this podcast with my friends Jake and James. And uh, it's been a few weeks since we've all been in the studio, uh, aka our office, together talking about things happening in culture. And uh, we've been doing some interviews. We've had some interviews the last few weeks with some brilliant thinkers, communicators, theologians, theologians pastors and it's been so good to hear from so many of you how much you've enjoyed those so that is something that we are definitely going to continue doing in the future starting to book uh, episodes book guests for season two as we speak so we're really excited about that and then here in the next few weeks we're gonna be back up live uh, in the studio mixing it up with me Jake and James as well so a lot of good stuff around the corner for the podcast as we uh, kind of end season one here in the next couple of weeks take a little bit of a break and then come back for season two but hey listen a few weeks ago we had two separate conversations with Gabe and Nate Finocchio Uh, which I would highly encourage you guys to go back and listen to if you haven't yet already. But at the end of each one of those discussions, we kept them on the line for a few minutes to read to them some toxic theological tweets or Instagram posts. There's a lot of conversation out there today about toxic theology. What is toxic theology? A lot of different thinkers all around the internet saying all kinds of different things that are getting shared and reposted. And so we wanted to uh, just read a few of those to Gabe and Nathan, see what they thought about it, and then um, have them discuss them with Jake. So this is a mini episode called Toxic Theology, and we're doing that with Nathan Finocchio and Gabe Finocchio. And hey, listen, if you're loving the podcast so far, do us a huge favor, share it with some friends, go on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, subscribe, like it, rate it, share it with people, it is uh, just such a huge help as we continue to build the conversation. So, hey, listen, enjoy this conversation with Nate and Gabe Finocchio around the idea of toxic theology, and we'll see you back here next week. Toxic theology with uh, with Nathan Finocchio. So, all right, here's the first one. Uh, it says this: Jesus invites each of each of us to share the gospel according to ourselves. There are even four Gospels according to four different people in Scripture. We are all different, and so each of us has a different understanding of the Gospel, and this diversity of Gospels enriches Christianity.
0: Go ahead. I, uh, <laughs> I, was, I
2: was about to say that I literally was tuned out for
1: the first half of Got that. Got it. Because there was a bus There was a bus going by. by? Okay, let's do it again. I, I tuned in it. there's four Gospels. That was, that okay, that was let's it. do it again. Jesus invites each of us to share the gospel according to ourselves. There are even four gospels according to four different people in scripture. We are all different. So each of us has a different understanding of the gospel and this diversity of gospels enriches Christianity.
2: Wow. Uh, Two different streams of thought going through my head there, but I'll go with the one that I think that this person is saying. Um, So they're, sounds to me like they have in mind, like Paul's statement, you know, about uh, according to my gospel, um, uh, which is uh, the true gospel. Um, And then obviously they're talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as well in terms of their um, recording of the story of Jesus's life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to the right hand of the Father. And then they're extrapolating from that notion that I can make the gospel whatever I want it to be. And that is just a healthy contribution to uh, what is a well-rounded diverse Christianity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's bogus, <laughs> absolute heresy, stupidity. Um, I, my, I mean, my, whenever I, whenever people talk about things being according to the gospel, the question that I always want to ask them is like, what do you think the gospel is? Um, and, uh, I think, like, just the best place to always begin is 1 Corinthians 15 in terms of understanding what is the gospel. And um, uh, the gospel is what Paul lays out, what was given to him. From what I understand, this was a kind of an early, an early creed of the um, early church that was developed within the first five years or so um, after the resurrection of Jesus, which is just the simple facts of Jesus' life, his death, his burial and his resurrection. Um, And that is the gospel. And certainly there are things that are entailed within uh, those sequence of events in Jesus's life. Um, But I can't in 2021 make up my own good news uh, about Jesus as I understand him or as I've made him in my image.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, definition of terms is probably needed here in this, in that, that little thing because like the person doesn't define their terms. So for example, like diversity, um, diversity can mean so many different things. So if by diversity in the gospels, they mean that, uh, there's four different guys who had four unique Mm -hmm. experiences. Um, but, Th- those are congruent in terms of the main, the, the important stuff, you know? So um, then, then I don't have a problem with that, you know? Um, because some people will experience Jesus in their life as, uh, you know, healer and restorer. Some people will experience Jesus because Jesus becomes what we need, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so God revealed, God didn't reveal himself, um, you know, to uh, to Sarah's concubine in the same way that he, re- you know, Re- revealed himself to Isaiah or whatever you know because we all have different needs of God we have different um, different brokenness and 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 etc so if by diversity in the gospels they mean you know uh, Mark sees Mark sees Jesus as the suffering servant mm-hmm. um, John sees Jesus as triumphant over sin. Matthew sees Jesus as, um, fulfilling scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke sees Jesus as caring for others, um, you know, even on the cross. So if these guys are, you know, different perspectives, you know, th- they're having different perspectives of a movie, you know, um, but we all agree on the basic tenets, then I, okay, I'm fine with that. But if they mean that, uh, they have radically different beliefs about who Jesus is what Jesus' claims are, Mm -hmm. um, then I would disagree. So one of the ways that I've, I've enjoyed um, explaining the, the, the the various portraits that we have in the four gospels is the assassination of JFK, Hmm. you know, like, um, we have JFK on camera having his head blown off, right? This is a Peter film. Do you guys mm-hmm. remember that? Mm-hmm. Remember you, you see him go back and then forward. Remember mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. And like a, it's, it it hits him uh, from behind and his part of his head comes forward. And mm-hmm. then a, another bullet hits him and his head comes back.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And to this day, you know the details are pretty hairy on how many times he was shot, who shot him, all Mm -hmm. that stuff. Mm -hmm. But what we do know is that he was shot and he freaking died in Dallas. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? In 19, Mm -hmm. November 22nd, 1963. Um, so for example, like, you you know, you have the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. Well, he doesn't say them all in each gospel, Mm -hmm. right? Um, in mark you know it's 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 pretty dark in in luke he's talking to his he's ta- he's talking to um or in john he says you know hey can you take care of my mom mm-hmm. you know he just just various things that are happening here so but the facts are true he died on a roman cross and uh he claimed to be god and he healed people does that make sense so if a gospel comes out two centuries later that says that, you know, he never, he didn't claim to be God. And it's, it's like, a, it's like a biography coming out in 200 years from now. Exactly. You know, and somebody's saying that JFK, you know, was born in Hawaii and right. you know, he, he, he was a hula hula dancer, you know, it's like, so I don't know exactly what this person is trying to claim, but if they're claiming that, we can believe different things about Jesus based on our, our different positions in society, mm-hmm. um, then they are sorely mistaken. Mm-hmm. But if they believe that we have different encounters of Jesus and varying experiences of Jesus based on our brokenness, but it's the same Jesus, right. That was, that was publicly witnessed, um, you know, by his friends and by the early church Then I don't, I don't have a problem with it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was my second stream of thought is if they're referring to testimony, because as you said, Jesus moves in our lives differently based upon, you know, our own brokenness, Mm -hmm. then, uh, that's another matter, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that's what they mean.
1: Yeah. Okay. So last one, you ready? And this is a bit, I'm, I'm going out on a limb because it, this doesn't even fully make sense to me. So, uh, but I think if it, I think it probably will make sense to both of you. And I think this one, this one will be fun. Okay. Yeah. So. If there's ever an irreconcilable an, an irreconcilable tension between Jesus's teaching and Paul's, I think we should default to Jesus. If there's ever an irreconcilable tension between Paul and one of Jesus's disciples, I think we should default to Jesus to Jesus's disciples. Okay. And then he says this, "Hey everyone, I was walking down the street last night and Jesus appeared to me. He told me I'm an apostle and that my words have divine authority, so please listen to me." You'd surely be skeptical of this claim if I've if I'd made it. Why shouldn't we also approach Paul similarly? We should never be afraid to think a thought, ask a question, consider an alternative perspective, form a new idea, scrutinize orthodoxy or question assumptions ever. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like that last sentence is so stupid because (laughs) everything that was in front of it was ridiculous. And so they had to write a last sentence to try to go stick with me, stick with me here. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like me saying, um, cats are aliens, man. They're from another freaking planet, bro. (laughs) We should never be afraid to question things. Okay. So it's okay to question if cats are from aliens. Right. Okay. It's like, Dude, dude, if if what you said was was remotely intel- intelligible and, and 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 respectable, then you wouldn't have to qualify. The first <laughs> like, statement in place, yeah. exactly. So this is really easy. Okay, it's easy because if that person had done any of their research, they would realize that uh, Paul the apostle
1: was. This person's a pastor, by the way. Well, this person was the guy that did the Jesus is racist TikTok. Right. Yeah, he's
0: yeah, yeah he's he's a, he's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. So <laughs> yes. So this person who has not done the research, um they would know that Paul's ministry was verified and confirmed mm-hmm. by, by the, the disciples of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. exactly. So um so you know, it wasn't Paul that was uh writing the book of Acts. It was Luke, who was a contemporary of Paul, um, but was a, you know, he was he was a, and he was known by the apostles, and he was, Luke was a, a known traveling companion, and he once again, so he Luke records everything that's happening. You know, Paul went, he he records Paul's saving, he records Paul's confirmation, meeting with James and meeting with Peter, and and being confirmed by the early church guys. Number one. Number two, um, the Doctrine of Inspiration. So we, we obviously, this is a peripheral issue. Ultimately, what he's saying is because we our first principles are not the same. The, us and this guy don't believe the same thing about the Doctrine of Inspiration. We believe that the scriptures that we have are inspired by the Holy Spirit. So what mm-hmm. we believe is, is that Jesus, the risen Jesus, was telling Paul what to write. And the Holy Spirit was uh cleaning up after him so to speak. Um so Paul doesn't write on beh- on on the authority of himself. Uh he writes on the authority of Christ because he I mean, every uh, multiple times he's like, you know, this is this is I didn't receive I received this from Christ or mm-hmm. you know da, da da da. But yeah, the big the big the big issue is that it was Paul's apostolic ministry confirmed by the apostles. Yes, it, you know, he he because he does say, look, I received my ministry, not from men. I received it from the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, But was it verified or authenticated by people who had been with Jesus? Yes, it was over and over and over again, even by Peter, who says, you know, sometimes Paul's letters are sort of hard to understand and wicked men twist them. That should be enough right there. Mm -hmm. Peter writing scripture going, listen to Paul, right? The other thing that I would say is... That's uh,
2: 2 Peter 3, 15 and 16 for anybody yeah, who wants go. to look
0: it up. So, so the other is, the thing that I would say is that... Um, <laughs> 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 that <laughs> Paul I love how going, tickled you are by this. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm loving this. People are going to have an issue with Paul because he's pastoral. So Jesus is going to come in and he's going to make these, hey, I'm the king. I'm the king of the kingdom. I'm in charge this is how you come into the kingdom, um, and you and and he's going to be ministering to the lost people of Israel. Okay, um, but and he's Jesus lays the foundation, right? But then Paul's going to build upon the foundation. That's the 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 metaphor that he teaches. And so James is going to do some pastoral work because you got a church to pastor. Right, mm-hmm. Peter's going to bring some pastoral work. Peter's going to talk about women submitting to their husbands. Women submitting to their husband. It's just stuff that nobody wants to hear about mm-hmm. in the context of a local church, because you got to pastor people, right? Mm-hmm. So, so Jesus is is the, their their goals and their and their aims are going to be totally different, and that's mm-hmm. why people are going to be ticked at Paul, is because Paul's going to be rubber hits the road. So Jesus is, you know. Except for the book of John, you know, Jesus is sort of always holding a lamb and giving you a little kiss and a hug um, most of the time, you know, and and we can chop Jesus's energy uh, or, you know, use use his force towards our political actions in Matthew five to seven or whatever. And Jesus can be a great ally, you know, for anybody politically. Um, But Paul, yeah, Paul, Paul doesn't let you. Uh, get away with the way that you are going to abuse and misuse Jesus. And so ultimately, of course, Paul is going to be right. So then creating this hierarchy, you know, like where Jesus and Paul disagree, they don't disagree. Mm -hmm. They complement one another. Um, There's no, there is no places in Jesus and Paul that there's some sort of incongruency. That's just, once again, it's just, that's just, it's intellectual dishonesty.
2: Yeah. That would probably be the only thing that I would add is that, you know to use his language if ever there is a irreconcilable difference between <laughs> Jesus and Paul uh, at, at at the onset you are now assuming that you are interpreting Jesus better than Paul interpreted Jesus mm. correct and that is a huge mistake um and so if there is an irreconcilable difference to you it is you your first question should be how am i interpreting this wrong not Ah, oh, well, Paul is obviously interpreting Jesus wrong, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, that's you know the phrase that you use all the time, Nathan, chronological snobbery, borrowed borrowed from CS Lewis.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. awesome. Okay, here we go. Um, deconstruction is the bitter medicine the American evangelical church desperately needs. They say that every 500 years, give or take, the church has a massive shift or reformation. The last big one was in the last 16th century. It's always hard to judge how large and influential a movement will be while it's happening. Is the deconstruction movement a small drop in the bucket, or is it the massive wave or reformation that changed everything? I hope for the sake of the kingdom that it is the latter. So this would be a deconstructed, you know, progressive theologian, thinker, comparing this movement to to the Reformation and uh, I guess my question for both of you would be what do you think about this and then how how is deconstruction uh different than um you know Martin Luther's reform of of church doctrine
2: oh man uh I mean I think for starters um it it comes down to that uh point on on what authority we're appealing to um i i'm not I'm not on board with the idea of trying to make deconstruction sound like it has a uh, a positive side I, I think that it when when true deconstruction is actually happening it it does lead to um something other than christianity uh and I think ultimately it leads to um for a lot of people it leads to despair um What I would say you know, maybe what some people are calling deconstruction really is just that they're unlearning bad traditions, um, and they're maybe learning right theology. Uh, but that is not deconstruction. That is growing in your faith. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's doing what Ephesians four says, right? Like coming to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God. Um, but that I don't think that that's what this person is talking about. And I think for them to put the deconstruction movement on par with the Reformation. Is absolutely ludicrous. Deconstruction typically undermines uh, very core doctrines to the Christian faith, the uh, scriptures as a whole, uh, the doctrine of um, the gospel Mm -hmm. or just the gospel in general, um, Christ's death, um, and it's not leading to more biblical understandings of these things. It's leading away from biblical understandings of these things. Which is certainly not what the reformation. That is the opposite of what the reformation (laughs) aimed to do. Yeah, totally agree
3: with you. Uh, Yeah, and I don't know where these guys get their cyclical uh, issues uh, or their cyclical theories of history from, um, which seem to me superstitious. But if it's if they're trying to say that you know, like Rome started when Caesar um, took over, and then 500 years later. You know, there was, you know, issues that, that, that led to the demise of Rome. I mean, I just don't see how every 500 years things get better because clearly, uh, as we said earlier in St. Augustine's time, things were getting worse and they went into a dark age. So it's like, it's, it's, I certainly don't believe in this, this, this notion of, su- this superstitious notion of, of progress in history. Um, I don't think things get better naturally. Um, and I and I, but I also don't like talking about things as though they are inanimate and um, that they have no uh, ability to change based on good or evil. Uh, I think that like I don't I don't like talking about civilization like a decayed cheese, you know, like, but <laughs> <laughs> like a, a, like like something in the, that you left in the fridge too long. Like I don't. I mm-hmm. actually don't like talking about it that way because that's not a moral framework. That's not a right and wrong. There's no there's no right and wrong in there. Uh, there's no there's. It's actually fatalistic, and it's it's deterministic, and it's 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 really uh, anti-human. Uh, it's 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 a blasphemy against the dignity of man, which is his free will. And his free will says, no, I have sinned. And that is why things are happening this way. I have done the wrong thing. I have taken the wrong path. I have I have uh, uh, I have sinned against God and man. And I have done I have uh, done evil. And that is why, you know, things evil is taking place to me because whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap, because God is not mocked. And so there are consequences to decisions that we make. And so if we choose to allow divorce uh, and no-fault divorce in our society so that people can just get married willy-nilly and divorced and separated willy-nilly, there's no, there's, you're destroying the family unit. Well, if you destroy the family unit, there's consequences. Because you're destroying. If you if you destroy all the small societies, eventually the big society is going to get destroyed. So it's so mm-hmm. these are and 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 you can point it back to an issue like divorce. So these are you know it's just talking in this in this kind of you know scientific way about history sounds uh it sounds highbrow uh really it's ignorant and it's absurd and it's immoral. So that's what I think about that. And I think that deconstruction is really destruction. That's really what it is. It's, it's, there's, you're not actually constructing anything. You're just destroying what there is. And uh, I look at that as vandalism and a thing fit for barbarians.